Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. were framed by the Word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Excuse me one moment, I forgot. I've got to make reference to one of the verses in the Living Bible this evening. I'd like for you to turn back with me for a moment to Ephesians chapter 2. Just back short ways where we were. And I suppose if there is any verse in the scripture that ought to give what we believe very strongly, it's got to be in these two verses. When it comes to salvation. When Paul says to the Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Now why is that so important to read at this point? All right. Back in the Old Testament days, the Jewish people had twisted salvation from uh, faith to works. They had come to the point that they were saying, you're saved according to what you do. And that never was God's intention. And we have here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews a whole list of Old Testament people 
And we're going to find it stated over and over again that they were saved by faith. That's been the basis of salvation. Their righteousness, Abraham's righteousness and all the others, was based upon their belief in God, not upon what they did themselves. Now, it's, that seems normal, or we understand that, it would appear that we preach it all the time, that we're saved by our faith in God, not by what we do or don't do. Although, as Judy stated this evening very well, I'm sure we all have felt it, there are times that we question whether we're saved or not. If you have never questioned your salvation, I would question your sanity. <laughs> because we go through those periods of doubt. And that means that we've got to go back to God's word and what does God say to us about how we're saved. And that's why I went to this verse. We're saved by grace, by God. God does the saving. We simply put ourselves in a position to be saved by believing, by having faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, and likewise, there's nothing we can do to lose our salvation. Now, I'm not sure that all of you will buy that last statement, but I think it's very scriptural. There is no way that I can conceive of myself being capable of taking me out of the hands of God. He's stronger than I. I don't think there is a person in this world that can take me out of the hands of God because God is stronger than all. God will keep me even if Satan wants me. And you can believe Satan does. And we sin daily because Satan wants us to do it and causes us to stumble our toes and fall. We may fall, but we haven't lost what God gave us, and that is our salvation. We still have that. And if we ever had it, we'll come back. We will repent of our sins and return to that position of, of salvation. And it's because we have believed in, we have faith in Jesus Christ and have committed ourselves to him. And God takes us in his hands. And the scripture said that no man is able to take me out of my father's hands. No man. It can't be done. That's right. Now. I think this 11th chapter of Hebrews ought to be read by every Christian over and over and over again until faith is instilled into us so strongly that there is no way that we can ever doubt again. But we have to keep reading it. When you doubt, go back to Hebrews 11 and read it. It's by faith that things take place. You remember in Matthew chapter 14... The disciples were in a little boat on the Sea of Galilee and the storm came up and uh, it was about ready to sink and they looked out there and saw Jesus walking on the water. And John said, it's the Lord. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, invite me to walk to you on the water. And the Lord said, come on. 
And Peter got down out of the boat in the midst of that storm and started walking on top of the water to Jesus. But we know that he began to sink. And why did he begin to sink? Is because he began to doubt. Whenever you start doubting, you start sinking. Those are the facts of life. Doubt and fall. Doubt and sink. Doubt and be overcome with the world. Doubt and you'll find things wrong with everything that has to do with Christ or his church. It's all because Satan began to say to Peter, Peter, you can't walk on water. And brother, Peter listened to Satan and and Peter couldn't walk on water. Because he had begun to take his eyes off the Lord, put something else in the Lord's place, pay more attention to what people were saying than what the Lord was saying. And whenever you start listening to people more than you do to the Lord, you're going to start sinking. And Jesus said to Peter, Oh, thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Verse 6 here in this particular passage that we read says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Now I'm going to speak a little bit more about pleasing God a little later, but listen. If there's anybody that I want to please, it's God. Aren't you uh, in agreement? If there's anybody you want to satisfy, it's God. There's only one way to do it. And that's have faith. All right. The first verse of this 11th chapter is always used as the definition of faith. Look at it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know that by heart. What does that mean? I have always been confused by that definition. What have I read once I read it? Well, let me read it to you from the Living Bible and see if this uh, clears up any. And I think it does. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that we hope that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Let me do it again. Faith is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us. The certainty, the confidence are two key words in that. Now, faith is not wishing for something, longing for something. Maybe it will happen. I certainly hope it does. Faith is, I know without any doubt, absolutely, with full assurance, with certainty, it's going to take place. That's what faith is. Faith is not wondering if God is going to do it. Faith is knowing God's going to do it. That's what faith is. 
Now, naturally, we deal with depending upon our senses. If we can see it, we say we believe it. But you all know that our eyes are deceiving to the point that if there are six people who see an accident, there are six accounts of that accident. You can't depend on your eyes. You've heard the statement, believe nothing you hear and only half what you see. If we practice that, we'd be a whole lot better off. We hang on to every word somebody says as if it were the gospel truth. And listen, if it enters into the newspaper, it has to be right, you know. It probably is 99.9% .9 wrong if it's in the newspaper. But we believe it because we saw it in print. Our eyes said that's the way it is. Or we go according to, as Judy has made reference this evening, to our feelings. And I know you've heard me say this over and over. If you're saved according to how you feel, 99% of the time you're going to be lost. Because we don't feel saved. It's nice and easy to feel saved when we're in church and we're around a whole lot of Christian people. But come Monday morning, and those of us who, who have to go out on the job, I don't feel too saved sometimes about 9 o'clock Monday morning. As a matter of fact, I would probably be lost 9 o'clock Monday morning if it were up to me because I've already done 10 things wrong already that morning. I've lost my temper by that time, maybe. I don't do that very often, but I'll use that as an illustration. I probably have thought a few things that were improper. And by the time my senses come back to me, I'm going to have to say, well, surely I'm not saved or I wouldn't be acting this way. But you see, I have to go back to Ephesians again, and there we find that I'm not saved according to how I feel about it. I'm saved according to what God did in my life. Now, it's certainly true that I ought to act to my salvation and you ought to act your salvation, but just because our actions, what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we say, does not match what we ought to be in God's mind, and God's eyes, doesn't change the fact that he still loves us as a child. When my children disobeyed, and they did things I didn't like, they said things I didn't care for, they went places I wish they hadn't have gone. And they hid all that from me until I found out about it. You know how parents do. Does it change the fact that I still love my children? They're still my children in spite of anything that I might do or they might do. Faith is the absolute certainty of what God said God will do. That's faith. All right. Let's go to verse 3. Verse 2 says, By it, by faith, that is, the elders, that is, people of olden times, those respected patriarchs of old times, received a good report. 
Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. How do you know how the world came into being? Science cannot tell you how the world came into being. They can give you a theory, and that's all they can do. And scientists say, many of them, and that's changing, by the way, scientists say that the world came into being by evolution, and that we are what we are because it all evolved. The Bible says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the world. Yes, and the heavens. You don't keep me straight for sure, aren't you? You were carny one or the other. Now, which one are you going to believe? Do you know, it might sound odd, but, but this is happening. This really is happening Scientists themselves are now beginning to deny the theory, and it isn't only a theory, the theory of evolution. They're beginning to say that this doesn't work that way. What are they going to come around to? We believe that God created the world because we believe in God, and God said it, and I believe it. And that's all there is to it. Faith presumes God and takes God at face value for what he says he will do. When he said in 1 Corinthians, I has not seen nor ears heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God had prepared for them that love him. We haven't even begun to see God's work. We see a little image of it in this world. But God has prepared for those who love him a whole lot of things. Then the writer to Hebrews begins to give us what I'm calling the Hall of Faith fame. Not the football Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith fame. And I'm going to, I want you to look at four people tonight. Next Sunday night we're going to look at the rest of them. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You remember Cain and Abel were the two first children of Adam and Eve. And Abel came to worship God and brought the blood sacrifice that was required. Abel recognized that he was a sinner. And the first step to becoming saved is to recognize one's sin. We all went through that process. Abel represents the path to salvation that was saved by faith. Abel represents those who believe that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. Abel is one who believes that it was not what he did but what God did that made him saved. But Cain comes along and Cain thinks that he can offer to God whatever uh, he can find uh, loose a little loose change, a little loose time, a little loose product of the field, and God ought to be satisfied and pleased with that. What Cain did was attempt to, to appease God, to settle him down. It was a self-effort on his part that he was going to be saved by what he did. Rather, he lost his life, and Abel, even though he died, was saved because... 
He believed in doing what God said to do, and that is to offer a blood sacrifice. And then there is Enoch. Enoch represents the Christian. Those who walk with God, those who, who not only are saved by faith, but those who live by faith. Back in the 10th chapter, in the, first, in the verse 38, which we spoke of this morning, just a few verses back there, right at the end of chapter 10, we find these words, Now the just shall live by faith. That's the way a Christian lives. We are to live by faith. Not live by feelings, not live by anything physical, not live by what man says or what man does, but we are to live by faith. That is, we are to retain our attention on God only. And not on all the things that are around us. The scripture says that Enoch walked with God. And he was translated, that is, he did not even see death. He went from life to life, never experienced physical death. Why? Because he lived so close to God that God didn't even want him to experience physical death. The closest walk that anybody ever had with God was Enoch. And that's what God wants in us as Christian people to walk with God in complete faith. The scripture says, look at it there in, uh, uh, in verse 5, that uh, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. They never found him because God had translated him for before his translation, as before his translation, he had a testimony. What was his testimony? He pleased God. The question arises in all of our minds, I'm sure. And I made reference to it in the beginning of the sermon. What is it that we want to do more than anything else? And it surely we'd have to answer. What we want is to please God. Enoch did it. The only one that ever did. Is God pleased with you and me? By the way we live. By our Monday morning. By our weekday activities. By our nighttime situations. By the places we go. By the things we do. By the words we speak. Is he pleased? Could we possibly allow Jesus Christ to enter into our conversations? Would we invite him to be a part of our coffee time discussions? Would we allow him or want him to sit down with us in the evening before the TV and share the program? Or would we be uncomfortable? Would we invite him to go to Charleston with us and do whatever we might to do there? Would we invite him into our homes to share at our table and in our family conversations and be a real part of our daily activities? Are we pleasing God? And if we are not, 
then we are not walking by faith as we should walk. But I'm sure all of us would find some problems in the way that we live. How do we please God? If you want to please God, how do you do it? I think the first thing, first thing to please anybody is to take him at his word. Let me tell you, I will not be pleased somebody doubts me when I make a statement. Neither will you. We want to be taken at our word. Right? If you think I'm lying to you, or I think you're lying to me, we're going to not be pleasing each other. And if we can't believe that God's telling us the truth in his word, we can't possibly please him. To doubt is to discredit God. So, we must believe, verse 6, that he is. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Listen, God rewards faith. I didn't say it, the Bible says. God is a rewarder of faithful people. You want a reward from God? Take him at his word and stand firm on it, and you'll get a blessing out of it. You really will. I want to go back to Psalm 119. Verses 9 and 10. Psalm 119, verse 9 and 10. Wherewith all shall a young man cleanse his way? How are you going to clean up your life? That's the question. The answer? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. In other words, by, by paying attention to God's word. And then, to fit into the concept we're talking about pleasing God, verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Two things. This David, who wrote Psalm 119, said, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Have we put our whole heart into seeking God? And secondly, there is a prayer and a petition, let me not wander from thy commandments. And if you're like me, there is a tendency to wander and get away from what God has said. Sometimes we wander more than others. Lots of Christian people wander. All right, let's go on to Noah. We're going to have to hurry by faith, verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Well, we know the story of Noah, how that the world yet had uh, 
had never reigned in the world. The world was becoming very sinful and God was very angry with the world and so he said he was going to destroy it with water, with flood. And he came to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to destroy this old world with a flood. I want you to build an ark. There are two new concepts to Noah. He had never seen rain. How did he know what a flood was? He had no experience. Secondly, he had never seen a boat in his life. And here he is to build one twice the length of a football field. Several stories high. And put all those animals on board. He's never even seen one, let alone built one. And he didn't stand around and say, well, Lord, I don't know. I just can't quite figure out how that's going to happen. What, what on earth is a flood? And what's a ship? What's an ark? Why do you want me to build a thing like that? There were none of those questions in his mind. God said it. Noah accepted it and did what God said. And that's faith. It is not for us to question why God says something. It's simply for us to do. As that old adage goes, it's not for us to question why. It's just for us to do or die. And that's exactly right when it comes to obeying God. Take him at his word and do what he said. God said it and Noah did it. I want you to notice, moved with fear, that can be well translated, it is in many versions, moved with reverence. Noah was moved with reverence, and so he did something to save his house. On many, many occasions, many of you have made reference to lost members of your family. And we all have them. I have lost members of my family, and you have them in your family as well. And they were mentioned, I think, even yet this evening. Listen. The way we can win our family is to be moved with reverence. Now listen to those words. The closer we live to God himself, the closer we live to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more likely our lives are going to influence those of our family. If we want to win our families to the Lord, we're going to take God on faith and live as close as we possibly can to him. Live like Noah. Live like Abel. Live like Enoch. We're going to have to act and think as if it were God acting through us. And that's a tall order. But that's how it can be done. Noah was moved with reverence and he did something that would save his house. When we're moved with that much reverence for God, we're going to see things happen. Not maybe in our time frame, but in God's time frame. All right, let's quickly look at Abraham. 
And I know I'm running over, but I, you don't have any place to go. Super Bowl's over by now. You hear the score and you get home, Danny. That'll be all right. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place where he should have to receive from the inheritance, obeyed. Here's a guy who left home. He completely abandoned his home and he went where God would lead him. He took God at his word and he took off somewhere. He was abandoning everything he had known and going into a new country. And someone had said, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Shinar. That was a little town where he was from. And where are you going? I don't know. I'm going where God's leading. That's exactly the way we need to look at life. If God says do it, we do it. If God says go, we go. When we put our lives in God's hand and ask his direction, he will set us out and we may not know the ultimate goal that is out there for us, but we'll be striving for it because God is directing our path. Abraham took it on faith. And I have known people who have sold everything they have and gave away everything they could give away and struck out because they believed that God had a particular direction for them. There's not many people who have that kind of faith, but that's the kind that we're talking about here. Let me conclude with just these words, which are just phrases from hymns that depicts the faith that Abraham had. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. So it really doesn't make much difference what we do or don't do here. Our goal, our object is heaven. And we go on to them to sing, I've got a home in glory land, and by faith I can see it afar. I can see it. By faith. By faith. That's the way we've got to live. Not by our sight nor our actions, but by simply taking what God said in his word and say he wrote it, he said it, I believe it, I'll live it. And we'll see marvelous things happen to us just because we take him at his word. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.